Welcome to the Pork and Feed the Birds where we record on unceded Indigenous lands and where we in this house pay respects to Elders past and present. In this house we believe that it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. If you don't believe in that, then get out of this house and don't talk to me or my large son ever again. My name's Tom Tanneke. Thank you for having me in your ear. I'm going to talk about Aussie Q stuff. Now, I want you to understand this is, uh, I suppose, an extended excerpt from an upcoming video I'm going to be doing on uh, Aussie Q and QAnon. Um, I see that the subject of QAnon has captured the attentions of a lot of people at the moment because of all the tunnels shit in particular and the Save the Children stuff. I have been, you know, I have been asked for comment by a couple of journos on QAnon um, in the past couple of weeks alone. And there's more waiting in the wings, I have no doubt. As we begin to see an Australian contextualisation of a very, very American thing, um, as more people begin to to tailor the QAnon expanded universe in a way that that fits, however awkwardly, into to Australian uh, conspiracy talk, it becomes more important to try and understand where it all comes from. Now, I want to acknowledge that lots of people have already done things like this. However, what I'm not seeing so much of is people uh, who are able to chart how the fuck this thing started out as an American conspiracy and has managed to to uh, transmutate into an Australian one. How did that happen? Why did that happen? Who's doing it? And why is it expeditious for them to do so? So I'm going to be de devoting a lot of time to, to putting out this upcoming video, and you've probably, if you follow me on social media, have seen me talk about that. But I don't want my podcast listeners to miss out. So I realise, more importantly, that as one of a relatively small pool of Australian content creators with a bit of QAnon knowledge under the belt, having followed the anti-lockdown scene and being rather obsessed with fringe kooks as I am, it is my job to contribute some brief explainers. So for the podcast listeners, here we go. However, do bear in mind that if you're really keen on devouring Aussie QAnon content, then I do have a video upcoming. Hopefully we'll be out towards the end of this week, if not next week. I will say this. I am not, in general, here to like shame and laugh at QAnon followers. Not necessarily. I resent old school QAnon because it's fundamentally MAGA. But it's changed a lot, and we didn't really get hit with it in Australia until it, it developed into a much more deft and creative and hard-to-catch creature than it ever was in its first couple of years. And I do want you, um, after learning about QAnon and Aussie Q, to understand that your mate who's just started uh, posting Save the Children stuff might not necessarily know about the balls-deep QAnon MAGA stuff. And I think that's important to bear in mind. In this house, we try to remain hopeful during a pretty negative and anxious time about these things. And I have to tell you the good news. I have had joy in pulling friends who just recently delved into the rabbit hole back out. And I know quite a few others who've had that same joy as well. There's quite a few people who on my timeline, after me posting things about children in tunnels and such, who've gone, oh God, I didn't know what I was tweeting, you know? So I 
um, believe that there's uh, a good reason to really learn about QAnon in that it helps you to pull your friends out. But we'll get on to more of that later on. What is Q? <gasps> well, Q is a made-up American super spy or a group of super spies. Q's like a 007 Patriot spy. Q's an anomaly in the elite echelons of power in America because he's aligned with the great white hope, Donald Trump. Only a small selection of other powerful figures and government agencies are on the same side as Q and Trump because the majority have, tragically, sold out to the deep state. So what's the deep state? Well, that is the network of elite figures and institutions who secretly govern not only America, but the entire world. They're corrupt and they're shadowy. And they're either directly supportive of or outright synonymous with the cabal, which is the network of elites who abuse children and get away with it. And that child abuse is integral to the QAnon universe. Some key events laid the groundwork for this obsession. One is the October 2016 WikiLeaks release of emails from the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. Specifically, a trove of emails from former White House Chief of Staff, John Podesta. Now, I've read John's emails, and they're really fucking weird. And there's definitely code in them. So it's obviously code for something. However, at the height of the 2016 election campaign, with far-right conspiracy theorists working overtime to propagandise a path for Trump into the White House, the now-closed image board 4chan and conspiracy grifters like Alex Jones, they took a bit of a leap of faith and logic, and they confidently asserted that the use of code like pizza, pasta and walnut sauce words that regularly, somewhat regularly, pop up in these emails, were in fact coded language for ritual, organised child sexual abuse. Because of course, the natural assumption to make when you don't know what a code is, is to assume that it's a pedo code. This obsessive deciphering of senior leaked Democrat campaign staff emails is what you've probably heard termed as Pizzagate. Another key event was the popularisation of cool spy tales for the enjoyment of conspiracy nuts on image boards like 4chan. That was a culture going for years. For a while there, if you were gullible enough to believe everything you read on 4chan, you'd be forgiven for thinking that half of the intelligence community's top brass were busy shitposting on there. There was one called FBI Anon. There was another called HLI Anon. This is a whole genre. It appeals to people who like Tom Clancy a little bit too much. Now, the Pizzagate narrative didn't die out, and the super spy drops on 4chan had become hot property and a good way of signalling to conspiracy theorists on there. The only difference in late 2017, end of October, when Q dropped his first post on 4chan, was that a bunch of conspiracy accounts banded together to agree on signal boosting the message of this particular 007. 
They knew it would be more collectively beneficial for them and their careers if they all signal boosted one particular super spy rather than all broadcasting conflicting fictitious super spies. So that's what they did. And their gamble paid off because Q pretty quickly became the most dominant narrative in hyper-conservative circles. Like it had reinvoked the dormant spirit of Pizzagate and it had captured the attention of a lot of conservatives. Q drops are vague and cryptic, but interpreting them has become the cornerstone of many a lucrative online career. The Q drops form the cornerstone of the QAnon universe, at least for the first year or two of QAnon. They are basically meant to be predictions. Q's first and most popular narrative from the very first drop revolved around the storm. So what's the storm? Well, it's derived from an offhand Trump remark at an early press conference at the beginning of his presidency. This storm was, Q said, a series of planned, coordinated arrests of an array of key deep state, senior Democrat and other powerful officials, all part of the cabal. Figures such as Podesta, Hillary Clinton and many Hollywood stars complicit in the ritualised rape, torture and murder of children for their adrenochrome in their bodies would all be swept up at once and whisked away to Guantanamo Bay to face justice for their crimes. It was just about to happen. Just about to. Any day now. Anyway, that was almost three years ago. And now there's over 4,000 Q drops. I get them on my phone through a QAnon app. Multiple times daily. New QAnon drop. It's a bit painful, actually. There's merch. There's apps. There's everything. I do think it's important to point out that the vast majority of Q predictions have not come true. Um, There have been one or two things that coincidentally have. (laughs) I'm just acknowledging that because I think it's important to. That's okay. Fair enough. Like This person hyperfixates on the political moves of a pretty specific cluster of senior officials. You may, you will probably eventually happen to get a detail or two right, and I'm just acknowledging that. Um, however, there are thousands of ridiculous, glaring Q emissions, failures and gross errors, and, and, and actual periods when Q hasn't posted during some of the most important times in America's modern political history, such as um, uh, the outset of the BLM uh, protests, and particularly with coronavirus, Q uh, failed to correctly predict the largest thing that has happened to politics and society in all of America for the entire time, which is strange for someone who's Uh, apparently got the inside scoop on absolutely everything, including the hoax coronavirus. Hey. Now, lots of QAnon followers will uh, infer or outright tell you that you are protecting or defending pedophiles um, or ignoring their crimes or ignoring the real existence of people like, say, Jeffrey Epstein when you deny QAnon. That's pretty offensive. You know, I actually think that the difference between Epstein and anything that Q purports to talk about needs to be elucidated as well. Epstein was bribing, manipulating and raping 
teenage girls, often for money. And that is pedophilia, and it is grotesque. But it is not the same as the core QAnon myth, which is that satanic Democrats are murdering little children for the adrenochrome in their bodies. That is made up. Epstein is not made up. The adrenochrome is made up. You see the difference there? Yeah. Anyway, all of this Rearwood Epstein stuff, Q, QAnons, they had nothing to do with it. They exposed nothing of it. And it all fails to grasp the point of QAnon anyway, which is not actually about asking questions. It's in fact the complete opposite. It's to, as Q repeatedly says in his drops, enjoy the show. You're supposed to sit back with your popcorn and wait for all the Hollywood stars and Clinton and Podesta to be arrested for pedophilia and shot in the face in Guantanamo Bay. Relax. Wait, do nothing. Now, of course, the real worrying thing about QAnon for me, or the real reason that I consider it more of an intellect, less of an intellectual curiosity and more something I need to reject out of hand, is that it dilutes and obfuscates the trauma and reality of the real victims of child sexual abuse because it is very obsessed with making up more pedophiles. No, thank you. We already have enough. I'm quite concerned about the real ones. I don't need new ones. Importantly for QAnons, everyone they don't like is a pedophile. And even more importantly, those people are liberals and left-wing people. And that is quite by design, and it gets very much to the heart of what QAnon is about, which is about signalling in favour of Donald Trump and his campaign and signalling against Democrats and left-wing people in America for the purposes of the political expeditiousness that this fundamentally hyper-conservative conspiracy theory holds amongst permanently online and very motivated fringe types. QAnon is a fascist power fantasy where everyone you don't like gets shot in the face in Guantanamo Bay. To borrow from some of the QAnon lingo, what's the biggest proof for that? Well, um, what about the Donald J. Trump connection to Jeffrey Epstein? That is very much glossed over. The fact that Donald J. Trump is on Epstein flight records, very much glossed over. The fact that Donald Trump now owns the yacht that Ghislaine Maxwell's father died on mysteriously, which was formerly called the Lady Ghislaine, very odd. Why is that absolutely central consideration in in looking at the network of Epstein so absent from the QAnon universe? Because it's all about getting people who are, as I said, permanently online and very conspiracy-minded to remain steadfastly pro-Trump. But the problem is with QAnon, and this is what a lot of people commenting on it seem to get wrong, is that you can only talk about Q and Q drops alone up to a certain point. Q followers who, as I said, are playing a very lucrative game if they get it right, do something called baking the crumbs, which is the decoding these intentionally cryptic Q drops. Now, the self-appointed job of divining what they all mean is 
open source, if you will. It's in the hands of the many Q accounts. They can say anything they like. Up to, and then even after, they get banned from Twitter. And they do. It's their game, as much as it is Q's. So, with regular Q absences during pretty important world events, moving into the past year, we do begin to see some real changes in the QAnon uh, universe and follower base. Particularly, and this has been supercharged by the pandemic. Over the past year, and I'll be honest here, I believe that you can almost cover modern QAnon without referencing a single Q job. There's something in the QAnon uh, uh, fantasy universe called a Great Awakening, which is meant to be the point at which everyone realises that there's a satanic pedo cabal of Democrats and Hollywood stars. You know, that Tom Hanks is sucking the adrenochrome out of children's uh, pineal glands or whatever, along with Hillary Clinton. But the Great Awakening has morphed in the hands of the many people who, who spread the theory, and it's begun to take on a neo-spiritual quality as it's begun to broaden its appeal to more and more hippies. Now, supercharged by the uncertainty and anxiety of the pandemic, QAnon ha- really has begun to take on this quasi-spiritual element. There is, a, a, there is an actual Q church developing in Florida, which is called Omega Church Ministries. And, you know, you've got hippies, neo-spiritualists, multi-level marketers, frustrated Instagram personalities stuck at home because they can't go and do photo shoots wherever they like. They've all wised up to the commercial benefits of signalling to QAnon. That's actually pretty easy. All you've got to do is do a bunch of where we go one, we go all hashtags. So what I'm saying is that the following is kind of leaving its cradle of MAGA hat-wearing nationalists and gaining a wider spiritual appeal. There's arguably a way these days to get into the cosmic side of QAnon without even being all that MAGA. And that is why you will have noticed such a strange array of people with diverse political inclinations, historically anyway, all suddenly hashtagging QAnon decrying masks, talking about tunnels. Yeah, maybe your hippie auntie just for the first time in her life posted hashtag where we go one, we go all. But I want you to know, as I said at the start, that your hippie auntie might not even know about Pizzagate. You know, she might not be dreaming that Hillary Clinton gets her face blown off in Guantanamo Bay. She just doesn't like child sex rings and really likes the sound of a great awakening and, you know, is really worried about the tunnel stuff. I want you to know that before we go on because if your auntie is posting Q or Q-adjacent stuff, like Save the Children, she's not necessarily a Trumper or a hyper-conservative. Yet, the danger is she could be within six months and this is why she needs rescuing beforehand. The deceptive allure of QAnon is that it's almost a modern religion for the politically charged social media generation. It's like part hippie LSD trip, part Tom Clancy spy novel, part Alex Jones rant. And yes, thanks to 
multiple things, but mostly coronavirus, it's currently flourishing in Australia. So, what is Aussie Q? The simple answer is that it's nothing. Nothing at all. QAnons radicalised here have wished that it was because, of course, QAnon is their favourite online spy movie. But it doesn't have any bearing on Australia. It's an American psyop designed to make purely American people lose all of their family and friends. Tweet, where we go one way, we go all a lot, and play the role of unpaid digital soldier to help get Trump re-elected. That's it. But there's this realisation that it can be expeditious, whether politically or commercially, to utilise the easy loyalties of this terminally online digital army. And that's um, spreading out from America all over the world. Many careers have been made by propagating this fantasy. It's made many people a bit of money. It's made some people a lot of money. And you know what? For a narrative that builds itself as an anti-state, its actual motivations in terms of fantasising about sympathetic right-wing power are exposed in the fact that it's a very good tool for politicians to use to cynically grab at power. Like there's a congressional candidate, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is, you know, all but confirmed to end up in Congress. Earlier on in the pandemic and beforehand, you know, we had a bit of QAnon bubbling up to the surface. You'll have heard of Burn Spy, the personal friend of Scott Morrison's family, who it was revealed last year as a QAnon convert. I've seen George Christensen on the right-wing social media network parlour following a growing group of explicitly QAnon accounts because, you know, he'd be rolling around the taste of QAnon signalling in his mouth, seeing how that would feel, you know, monitoring how powerful it might be for him in future to start signalling to these kooks. More explicitly, we have the the small Australia one-party candidate, Ricardo Bossi, who in the Eden Monaro by-election earlier this year ran the first explicitly QAnon signalling campaign. I mean, Ricardo doesn't give a shit about anything, really, to be honest. He's always glommed onto the latest manifestation of scumbag far-right politics in a cynical attempt to use a pack of racist shitheads to catapult his way to fame. But that is exactly what QAnon's about. It's about manipulating these uh, uh, these these people uh, to to convert their loyalties into some kind of political power. He did that with the Patriot Movement in years previously. He attended a TBC rally once. Now he's, you know, doing the where we go, one we go, all hashtags and making demands relating to uh, pedophiles to try and test the waters and ascertain how effective Aussie QAnons are at helping you build a political campaign. Interestingly, I've been told that Ricardo received advice and assistance from a member of the team that celebrity chef-turned-QAnon Pete Evans recently assembled after he began his descent into QAnon signalling. That's interesting. It wasn't really clear to me what the point of Pete's team was that he assembled after he sort of outed himself as a, as a QAnon. Um, but, you know, maybe it's in part a political lobbying group. Hmm. That's interesting. 
I want to make it really clear that I believe there's two tiers of people in the QAnon world. There are the dupes, the people who deserve our sympathies, actually, I think, early on until they become so insufferable that we have to take them off our friends list. And they're the people who've become indoctrinated, uh, you know, whose job it is to dutifully, dutifully spend all fucking day constantly retweeting everyone who hashtags where we go, one we go all and doing their research. 2020 sucks. People are scared. They're broke. They're confused. They're anxious. They've lost their businesses and their jobs. And it is a lot more empowering to feel like a rebellious info warrior saving the children than it is to feel terrified, scared and anxious and confused. And it is important to remember that things like QAnon lend people a feeling of more agency. And we understand that. And though we might get annoyed by it, I do take pity on them. Who I really blame is the other tier, the chook feeders. In the Australian context, I mean the Pete Evans of the world. They do it because it's a lucrative career for them. Donald Trump even I consider to be a chook feeder in this QAnon respect because he has signalled QAnon many times through his Twitter account since 2018 because it has been politically expeditious for him to energise that radical fringe permanently online support from lonely people by doing that. These people have commercial or political motivations for propagating this worldview, one that capitalises on fear and anxiety and trauma. I do not take pity on the chook feeders like Pete Evans. I hold them personally responsible for it because I see that they have a degree of agency over the, uh, the expeditiousness of it for their careers that means that even if they know better, even if they know that it's all rubbish, they will not stop signalling it because it is too helpful to their careers. And for that, I target them and I despise them. I knew back in March or April that it would only be a matter of time until some of the prevailing QAnon myths would start contextualising and coming over to Australia. Now, we have a core myth here that's gone wild over the last couple of months, and it's about children trapped in tunnels. This is one of those interesting post-Q-drop myths, because that doesn't really lie in the Q-drops. There was this idea that there were children trapped underneath the, the tunnels in New York, in Central Park to be specific, who were being sapped for their adrenochrome, raped and murdered by the satanic pedo cabal. And that Donald Trump was creating a hoax COVID tent layout in Central Park and actually increasing the lockdown in New York as a facade to get rid of the public so that he could release the children from these tunnels. Theories about children trapped in tunnels are persistent, very dated conspiracy myths. They've been going for a very long time. And again, it's really important to stress this didn't really come from 
the Q drops, or even from the core 2017-2018 era MAGA style Q accounts. This is more the recent dyed-in-the-wool conspiracy kooks, neo-spiritualist types coming in and adding their own ideas to it. Actually, it's been quite funny to see that some of the older era MAGA-style Q accounts have gotten quite pissed off over the fact that there's a lot of wine mums and neo-spiritual hippie types who've sort of taken over their movement in a way that they don't have much of a control over and adding ideas like children trapped in tunnels that they never really wanted to... You know, what's that got to do with blowing off Hillary Clinton's head in Guantanamo? But this is the problem. When you create a kind of an open-source conspiracy theory, you're not going to be able to have total control over it forever. This is the power of QAnon, but this is also the scope creep that's, um, that's, that's a feature of it. You can't control where it goes. So that's the American theory. All you had to do was change the place names. So now, apparently we've got extensive tunnel networks under Melbourne and Brisbane. Actually, can I say we do? But we've also got the Cave Clan, for example, in Melbourne, who've spent 30 or more years going underneath those tunnels. And as far as I'm aware, they've never reported back any large groups of uh, 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 adrenochrome kids trapped underneath there. They're just stormwater drains. There's no children trapped underneath them. We've already charted out why it is that it would be expeditious to have an Australian version of a QAnon thing because it would energise the, the budding Australian hashtag save the children slash hashtag QAnon base. That's why it needed to happen. I knew from March, April that it would eventually happen. I just didn't think it would explode as hard as it has over the past month. But there we have it. We have the beginning of a... Australian version of the QAnon myth. And the Chook Feeders, the big conspiracy accounts, and the Pete Evanses, all of whom stand to benefit, monetarily even, by spreading this myth, they are cashing in their checks. But who cares, right? What's wrong with Q? Well, look, it's a fundamentally cynical and exploitative idea you know, or universe of conspiracies. It settles cheap political scores by demonising everyone as a pedophile, as if the world doesn't have enough pedos as it is. It manipulates and radicalises people with trauma related to child abuse in their past. It's run and propagated by really cynical people who are capitalising off of this fantasy narrative. Here's the other real danger. It has the capacity to radicalise people at shocking rates. You will have seen this if you've seen that your QAnon auntie suddenly over the course of two weeks now believes in the entire QAnon universe. There are terrorism and online radicalisation experts who say that it manages to convert and mobilise people at a rate that rivals that of ISIS. And people have killed over QAnon. They've tried to drive all the way across America with knives in their car specifically to stab Joe Biden less than two weeks after they watched the QAnon documentary, Fall of the Cabal. One of them derailed a moving train at high speed 
in a fruitless effort to ram that train into a US naval ship because he was convinced that the US naval ship was hiding deep state secrets. That's scary. That's bad. It's getting worse. And we're going to see things like it happen here. And that's why we need to talk about Q. Now, in America, the core of where the QAnon network lies, a lot of what happens for Q next uh, depends on what happens in November with Trump's re-election. You'd think it would be a bit of good news if Trump was ousted. But what I fear is that the underdog fantasy narrative of QAnon will really intensify if Trump departs and the lengths to which individual QAnons will go to settle their imagined grievances with whoever they think is a pedophile will begin to spiral out of control really quickly. Now, I think it's worth mentioning that in Australia, yeah, as in America, it's the material conditions that working class people face in and out of the pandemic influence how much anxiety they're feeling and therefore how much they're inclined to seek out radical or silly answers to their frustrations. We don't have the same degree of conspiracy theorists or same, you know, established network that America does in part, I think, because our medical and social welfare net network is better than theirs, quite simply. However, during the pandemic, the reduced material conditions for everyday people can do work wonders for narratives like QAnon. Here it is. If our government doesn't provide consistent and ongoing financial support to people to be able to stay at home when and where they can for the duration of the pandemic to be okay, if they instead prioritise the economy like the growing capitalist death cult contingent in America is demanding they will do, then people will continue to flock to wild conspiracy theories like QAnon for better answers, for even if they're ridiculous and escapist, they're better answers to the very real-world problems that people can see no way out of. How do you get back your QAnon auntie? I don't have very many good answers on this because although I've had some luck pulling some people back from the brink, it is totally reliant on the individual circumstances. But I I still think you are the best placed person to engage with your loved ones while you still can because you have a personal connection with them and a shared history. I think... You need to be frank with your loved one that you don't agree with them and you'd be happy to talk about them. But crucially, I don't think you should bail them up and I don't think you should have the conversation with them uninvited. Don't have arguments through the comment threads if you can at all avoid it. I, I want you to remember that QAnons are being indoctrinated to the idea that everyone who disagrees with them, including you, is either a shill or a radical far leftist. You are a character in their narrative, so you have to tread carefully. If you question their new ideas in the wrong way, you'll simply fulfil that role that they've cast you as. And it's therefore very easy for them to discard everything you're saying. 
So what I'm saying is that I think you should suggest to your loved one that you do disagree with them and that you're worried about them and that you'd like to have a productive conversation with them, but that you will not open that conversation with them up and until and unless they would like to have it. You say, I'm worried about this. I think we could have a good conversation about it. I'd like to show you some stuff, but I'd like you to choose to have this chat if you want get back to me, not now, at another time of their choosing, if they want. The powerful thing about that is that if they choose to do that at another time, they have tacitly admitted that your opinion matters to them. And I can't tell you how important that is in any respectful conversation. Because if you've had these constant flame wars, and we all have over the past few years about politics, with you know, as, as we've fractured, as the chips have scattered on the modern culture wars, you'll have noticed that one of the biggest problems is that no one respects anyone else's opinion. And that suddenly you find those same dynamics replicating themselves with your radicalising auntie. If you can get them to admit from the outset that actually your opinion does matter to them, that is the best way to begin a productive chat. Because they can't dismiss you by categorising you as the enemy. Now, as you're waiting for that chat to happen, which remember may not ever happen, you can't force it, you can only offer You have to start educating yourself. I've tried to do a little bit of it here, but I want you to get more used to QAnon ideas. Go listen to the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Go on to the Reddit subthreads for the cult headquarters, that's cult with a Q, and read about what happens in the world of QAnon. Catch up. Find out. Because unfortunately, you're useless to them and to yourself If you get triggered, and I understand why you would, but if you get triggered by the offensive shit that they're coming out with, you are no good for the conversation. You are right, and boy do I empathise with you, but you're not going to be effective at engaging with them. You need to get educated about QAnon to talk to them about it. But you also need the bite taken out of these ideas for you. I'm not promising you you're going to start enjoying these fuck ideas about George Soros funding Black Lives Matter, George Floyd not actually being dead, Hillary Clinton sucking out adrenochrome from dead kids' spines, and so on. No, I've seen this shit for months, and I probably hate it more than you, I promise. But I'm used to it now, and so when my QAnon auntie repeats it to me, I don't immediately snap into a fit of rage at the offensiveness of this garbage, and that means I'm better placed to continue calmly talking to her about why these ideas are wrong. Plus, your research into QAnon lets you compile the best debunking resources that you come across. So don't ignore it. Start putting them into a doc. Compile arguments and info and so on. It's all there for you then if you need it. And all of this, and there's no guarantees you'll get anywhere. I know, and I want to acknowledge that. We talked about the material conditions of the working class before. You can have these conversations, but you can't save your auntie's life. And that's the heartbreaking thing. I know this. But if you do want to try, 
this is a way that you can skill yourself up so that if anybody can reach your QAnon auntie, if anyone has that power in her life, if anyone understands what she's deep diving into, is better prepared to talk to her than to simply shame her in a Facebook comments thread, it's you. And so if undertaking that effort with your loved one is important to you and it's something you reckon you're up to, then you can be the best place you'll ever be to give it a shot. Good luck. I don't fucking envy you. Thank you for listening to this uh, brief Aussie QAnon explainer for the pork and food the birds. As I say, this is an abridged version of uh, what I think is going to be a very lengthy video I'm, I'll be doing um, uh, that will be coming out rather soon. It needs to be lengthy because I intend it to be as a resource. Um, so that will be far more lengthy. This is just part of the, the, the writing I've done for that. So uh, please hold on for that if you need more information on how QAnon relates to the um, to the anti-lockdown movement and, and a little bit more information on some of the connections that exist uh, and the big, the, the big behind-the-scenes players that exist in Aussie Q. Please keep your eyes peeled for that. I'll put a couple of links to the resources I've really loved um, about QAnon, particularly that podcast, QAnon Anonymous. I love it so much. Um, I'll put them into the description. If you appreciate the work that I do on the pork and feed the birds, um, please give me a nice review on whatever the podcast app you listen to me on is. Um, uh, please like and share it around. And um, if you have the clams, which is hard for many people in a pandemic, but if you are flush with clams, please chuck a clam my way on Patreon. I do do a fuck ton of work into some of these little scenes. I don't just yammer on. I do my work before I yammer on, actually. Um, so if that's something that you can help contribute to, it is not more important than the many causes that I talk about here or elsewhere um, in my, my ongoing effort to never shut the fuck up on social media. But if you appreciate it and you can afford it, please do chuck me a clam. It helps me to do the work that I do for many hours a week, many, many hours a week. This is very much a job for me. I can only do it with the support of uh, people, so I really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. God bless you all, patriots. Where we go one, we go all. <laughs>